Good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? First thing we want to say is thank you. We just finished our best fall drive ever in our ongoing effort that's made some progress to move from a shoestring bubblegum and bailing water. Bailing water? What's bailing water? Bailing wire operation to an operation that it can get to scale, that can be an honest-to-goodness institution, that can have paid staff, that can have good facilities, etc. And that means we really appreciate it. We really appreciate the support that you give and the fact that we were able to raise over $100,000 uh, in the last two weeks, including, including the matching gifts, including all the monthly members, over 500 people gave. Uh, it is what makes it possible. So it makes it possible to you know, finally get some decent leadership around here. That's a little joke. It has truth in it, but it's a little joke. As always, by the way, you can text us at 971-220-5979, 971-220-5979. Tell us your name. Otherwise, we might make one up. As you know, I think News of My Dad episodes can be found on your favorite podcast app. And why don't we get started with News of My Dad? Now it's time for News with My Dad, a show where we talk about the news with my dad. And on the air, on the line, playing the role of my dad is, in fact, my dad, the star of our show, Joe Smith. Pop, how you doing? I'm really missing coming in to the studio. I'm looking forward to when we can do that again. It may be the end of next year, but if I live that long. We should, well, that's that's morbid. We could have we could have switched it up today. I should have thought about that. Uh, this would we could have switched it up. You could have been here, and uh, I could have been there. But this is a show. We talk about the news. We try to talk about the important stuff. Sometimes we talk about the unimportant stuff. When it's unimportant, we try to say so. We take turns. Dad typically takes the first turn. Pop, do you have a shout out? I have two shout outs, and please don't laugh at my two shout outs. The first one I'm shouting out this morning for Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton, just because... Uh, uh, Dolly Parton's dope. Pardon? She's great. She's dope. And, and I'm reminded to do that because of an article uh, in, the, in the Sunday Parade. But the reason I'm shouting out for her is she started out as dirt poor and wound up a millionaire and she is not just a great artist she's a wonderful human being she's donated a million bucks towards finding a vaccine for covid i just i just she just really impresses me and then i want to shout out for by the way i don't know if you've ever noticed but but spe- but my wife shared a picture of a young dolly parton that uh that looks almost precisely like 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 Jennifer Yoakum, who used to be chief of staff to to Sam Chase, or not Sam Chase, Sam Adams, and the uh, and in fact, when she shared it, when he when when Katie shared it on social media, the uh, uh, multiple people, I think, inclu- in fact, I think the story is including Jen's husband, uh, thought it was in fact Jennifer dressing up as Dolly Parton. There, anyway, it's very similar face, but uh, go ahead. Whose birthday, by the way, was last week? And and let, let me just read to you a, a song that she just came out with. God's the reason for all things. You want rainbows? You get rain. We'll all be forever changed, forever changed. I'll sail my boat and fly my kite. Walk in the park, go out at night, and hold my loved ones extra tight. 
when everything is on the mend. I'll even drink with my old friends, sing and play mandolin. We'll make it through this long, dark night. Darkness fades when faced with light, but everything is going to be all right when life is good again. She wrote that to give us courage to survive the COVID. I just think it's really neat. And then I, then I also I want to shout out for CVR Breweries of Oregon that absolutely crushed in the 2020 Great American Bar Festival. They came away with several gold, I think eight gold, six silvers, seven bronzes. No small thing compliments to them. Well, Pop, 93 million Americans have already voted as of Sunday afternoon. That's twice as many early voters in 2016. Those 93 million votes amount to 68% of the total votes cast in 2016. Michael McDonald from University of Florida, not the musician, considers this a good thing as concerns all around voting during a pandemic has risen, predicts 150 million Americans would vote. That is his prediction that uh, that's 65% of the population, which would be the highest voter turnout since when? 1908. Now he thinks that number is going to be easily surpassed. Registered Democrats, remember, registered Democrats make up the register majority of early voters with a two to one majority. That's comparable to other years and generally more registered Republicans show up on Election Day. Dad, go ahead. Remember that in 1908, only half the population only was uh, was allowed to vote at all. And a significant portion of the population, regardless of gender, was not allowed to vote because of their race. Well, Dad, it is the day before Election Day. Unless we consider now in a vote-by-mail world, in an early voting world, in an absentee ballot world, that Election Day should maybe even have a different name, like Final Election Day or Election Deadline. Election Deadline is tomorrow. How are you feeling about... What I'm feeling, by the way, is gratitude to Brian and Sam and Emily and the whole crew who have been putting this darn thing together and including just a terrific array of interviews over the past, it's now what, 120 interviews or something that we've done with candidates, et cetera, uh, during this election. I just want, you know, we said that kind of stuff during the fun drive, but I don't want it just to be a pitch for dough. I want it to be, you know, also our genuine, our genuine thanks. Everybody's been working on that stuff. Uh, and, and and it's important. I was going to let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. You can say whatever you want. Uh, the uh, you, how are your feelings going into the day tomorrow? Apprehensive. Yeah. I, I'd I'd like to say hopeful, but I have to say apprehensive because I I am I'm remembering 2016, and uh, the. Uh, I, I haven't looked at I haven't looked at the national weather report to to see how the weather may be affecting people turning out tomorrow. But uh, but there there is a lot of energy both both folks who have drunk the DDT Kool Aid and oh golly who who have just swallowed the propaganda that is constantly spewed out by the Goebbels-like organization known as Fox News with Hannity and Carlson and Ingraham and the five 
that uh, they just lie and lie. And DDT, of course, DDT the last few days has been very effectively doing what he does best, which is to sow hate and to sow division and to tell lies and to whip up the big crowds he gets, to believe the lies that he tells. So I'm, I confess to be apprehensive. Before we dive into the news, by the way, I, is, I really want to acknowledge that James Bond has died. James Actually, Bond lives it forever. Wasn't James Bond, it was Sean Connery. But he was the original James Bond, and he was the best James Bond. And he, he went on to make some other really, really good movies. But he he made it to 90, and he shuffled off. Well, Dad, right now, the uh, the prognosticators, which, of course, there are no doubts about and doesn't make anybody apprehensive because nobody has any experience with any election that came out different than they expected. But the prognosticators are saying that Biden is looking strong, but that the U.S. Senate looks like a coin flip. Uh, and, and when we say it's a coin flip, according to 538, just barely different than a coin flip. The 80 percent likelihood range is between 52 Republicans and 48 Democrats to 55 Democrats and 45 Republicans, which obviously is a little bit in the in the uh, favor of Democrats. But nearly all the scenarios the prognosticators see fall within that band. The most likely outcome right now, but it's only a 14 percent outcome. The most likely outcome is 51 uh, Democratic seats. The second most likely outcome with 13% likelihood is 52 Democratic seats. And the third uh, most likely with 11.7% likelihood is 50 Democratic seats and 50 Republican seats. Which means it's very important that Kamala Harris, if, assuming she is elected tomorrow, maybe stays healthy. So it is, we're coming down to what in some respects feels like, you know, which Katie says it feels to her like a landslide. And yet when it comes to governance, when it comes to actually being able to uh, reform the Supreme Court, when it comes to actually being able to pass something like H.R. 1, when it comes like to something like trying to save health care if the Supreme Court throws it out, that this is going to be a barn burner election, right? Even if, and, and I, you could imagine, you really could imagine where, there's a 10 million, okay, like Hillary Clinton won by three and a half million votes. You really can't imagine a 10 million vote margin of the popular vote, which is a huge margin, okay, a huge margin. That's not 500 and, you know, 52 votes or the heck it was. Why am I forgetting the, the number? 535, 530, it wasn't 538. Uh, number of votes in Florida, right? This is, that's a huge number of votes. You can imagine that big a difference and still having the basic decisions about how we're going to deal with the country being on the razor's edge. I want to also say thanks to Julia Oppenheimer. Also, Emily Gilliland clarified 122 interviews. 122 interviews. Holy mackerel. What a 2020. Best folks, year ever. Let me, let me, let me tell our listeners, sure. those 122 interviews, if you go to xray.fm and go to the archives, you can find any one of those interviews. And so if you haven't voted yet... And Listen to them all. It'll only take you about 120 hours, and and then you can. You don't have 120 hours, okay. but you can. You have a candidate that you want to hear. Find that candidate and listen to him or her, and then listen to him or her's opponents, and it will help you vote. If you listen to them on two times speed, you can listen to half of them. Okay, so if you go and you can also check it, and we've actually excerpted, we've we've cut them up a little bit, so you could listen to all the local episodes 
on two times speeds, take out the quick six, just, you know, just the end of that. And you'd come pretty close to be able to listen to all of them. So that's maybe you don't have that time, but it's one option. Dad, in Michigan, voters are being given the option to pass proposal two, which would protect electronic data the same way the state protects one's home and papers under proposal two. The warrant would be required to view one's electronic data and communications. Most law enforcement agencies already treat that kind of data as private, but the law does not exist in writing. It's an attempt to remove ambiguity about the privacy of personal data. Uh, Dad, do you see, if I stolen a straw in the wind, do you see any precedent for the way that data is shared with advertisers? Or do you think it's interesting, strange, surprising, or good that there is a different expectation when it comes to what a democracy does, what a government does, what uh, what ruling power does versus what advertisers do and using our data all the time. I think it is important that there be a recognition of of that difference and the and and dealing with it that uh, when one goes to vote one is not should not be considered to be opening themselves up as to when they go to buy something because buying something is basically a public act whereas voting is a very private act or at least should be in california voters are going to decide if 17 year olds get to vote in the primary in the primary if they turn 18 before the general it's the sixth time legislators have played with that idea the first time it's appearing on the ballot Opponents say 17-year-olds are too immature. They don't have enough real-world experience. State of Oregon does not allow minors to vote, but does allow people to register as young as 16. Hey, I know who passed that bill. I think it was, was it Ben Cannon? Was I in the legislature when we did that? Anyway, that was a bus project bill back in the day. What difference could this really make in encouraging young people to vote, Dad? How do you feel about that? Or do you think 17-year-olds well, are too the, immature? The theory is that it will encourage young people to vote and and... There's no way to know without trying it. Uh, Oh, I think we know. I think it definitely will. uh, But I I would guess that if you're able to vote in the primary when you are, you'll be almost always you'll be a senior in your last months of school, of high school, and there'll be news out there and your teachers will be talking about it. and, And if you vote then, the likelihood of your voting in November, I I. Almost certainly you would expect to go up, but we'll never know unless it's tried. Well, Pop, it is. Uh, I, I have. Go ahead. We're going we're gonna to do this where we have like a host of the show and a star of the show. You're the star of the show. I'm the host of the show. My job is to help make you shine. And then your job is to help me let help me help you do that. So I, I will respond to that, though. I think we do know because what we know about young voters is young voters have habits and need those habits developed. And by that, I mean they have habits that aren't yet developed, and those habits need to get developed. And the way they develop is by voting. It's not a mystery. It's not like one generation is worse than another generation at voting necessarily. In fact, it's not how it works. It's that people with fewer habits of doing something do something less with then cohorts with more habits in doing something. You get people voting in the primary. You will also have campaigns starting to communicate with those people, sending a mail, etc. During that primary, so they'll be more ready to vote when it comes to the general, and they'll be more engaged. So I, I think we, you're right that we don't know how much it'll impact, but I think we do know that it will impact, which is, of course, why some people are opposing it. What other things, Dad, are you tracking as we head into Election Day tomorrow? Well, I have, I have a couple of predictions. First, All right! 
first I, I predict that the first I think I'm predicting that there will be a substantial plurality of votes for Biden nationwide. The, the ultimate count I don't know I don't know if it'll get to 10 million, but but it could get as high as 10 million. And I will predict that if, despite that, because of the electoral college, DDT is reelected, that there will be a very strong and likely successful move to eliminate the electoral college. That's prediction. The other prediction I'm going to make is that Nancy Pelosi is going to be speaker for two more years. She's announced that she's going to seek the speakership, despite her saying two years ago that she wouldn't, and the likelihood of the House remaining in Democratic hands is very, very high. Do you have any thoughts on that? I do have a thought on that. Here it is. Here's my here's my bold claim, my hot take to the next generation. If the if everything you say pans out, okay, and if the you know. 60% probability to be clear 60 prob- 60% probability ain't much okay like but let's say democrats take the uh democrats take the senate by you know a whisker and they ain't going to take it by a it, the projection don't look like they're going to take it by a landslide even if there is a popular vote landslide the way the US senate's broken out it's just going to be you know an eked out democratic win and if and if biden and kamala harris are elected that I think there will be an agenda that happens that will ensconce Nancy Pelosi as maybe the greatest speaker of the House of all time. And and that's a bold, bold claim. You will now tell me who you think ranks up there as the best speakers of the House of all time. And by you know, best is, is more value-laden, greatest, most accomplished, including elements of most skillful. People can argue about what criteria uh, are included within that. But the I mean, she will she will have been the speaker of the House that brought uh, health care reform to the United States. She will be the speaker that navigated uh, the you know covid relief on the Democratic side. But come 2021, if there is if she has one more crack at a Democratic trifecta, there will be other important accomplishments. And I just she's got she'll have to be in that top tier. Who am I missing Dad? who are the great speakers of all time? Well, Sam Raver, Sam Raver. Yeah, there's a building named after him. And uh, oh, I'm trying to remember. Tip O'Neill. What? Maybe Tip O'Neill. Tip O'Neill, definitely. So it's. but anyway, like there might be a Mount Rushmore of speakers of the House, but Nancy Pelosi, and I know that there's, you know, that will not quiet down. What I just said will not quiet, do nothing to quiet down the uh, anger, vim, vigor, and misogyny pointed against her. But I think as a, as a historian, historian, even tries to be an, an unbiased, non-ideological, unvarnished historian will generate, will, will have to concede that, I think, or will champion it. Uh, the FBI dad, did you see this? Did you see the Trump train that surrounded? It was trucks. yeah, that surrounded the, the bus and slowed it down and claimed that they were just trying to to protect it, which is the biggest pile of crap that came out this side of DDT's mouth. No, one of the one of the trucks ran into the the bus, right? No, it, didn't didn't run didn't run into the bus. Apparently, it it clipped a vehicle that apparently was accompanying the bus. Aha. 
So several videos showed this Trump train, a bunch of trucks, nearly 100 vehicles surrounded the bus on Interstate 35, lowering their speeds to 20 miles an hour in some places. Uh, most controversial moment involved a white vehicle uh, who and a large black truck with Trump flags. Uh, the white vehicle does not ha- did have damage on its side. And then the current president of the United States shared a video of the incident on Twitter with a caption, I love Texas. Remember the FBI campaign said uh, the Trump train, our staff circuit supporters and other, uh, I apologize, I'm not understanding this. Uh, Dad, any, what does this say about the election, if anything? I mean, is this just, is, is there anything new we have to say about this incident? Well, it, it, the, the fact that DDT picked up on it and praised it just underlines what I said a few moments ago, that what he is good at is sowing hate and division. And, and that's what he is what that's what he is all about he by the way he uh, looked very very pleased when he got a crowd shouting fire fauci fire fauci and, and i am i am very very suspicious about how these crowd shouts start and i really am inclined to believe that they are seated, that they that they're scripted, that there are folks out there that start it and then the crowd picks up, so that so that he can appear innocent, but smile and nod and say, well, yeah, maybe we'll do that. Forgive my error. Remember, the Biden campaign said the Trump train put our staff, surrogate supporters, and others in harm's way. That's the quote that I botched. Uh, Dad, other election? Oh, that's the same yeah, question there's, I asked there's before. Some election news that people might have missed that uh, I think is worth noting. Andrew Yang did an ad for Earl Blumenauer, who is your congressman and my congressman. I thought that was interesting. And uh, uh, Peter DeFazio got a, got a plug from AOC, which I also find interesting. I, of course, I don't know in his district. How much that hurts and how much that helps. The the California has on its ballot an initiative that would get rid of Proposition 13. Proposition 13, of course, is the notorious proposition that was passed many years ago, controlling property taxes, and they would particularly allow property taxes on commercial property not to be. The uh, an interesting race in St. Louis that I want to watch. Ann Wagner, who is a Republican, who is the dar. She's I, I believe the ranking member on the relevant committee in the House, and the darling of big banks who's just got all kinds of money for big banks, and she might get beat. That would be of great significance. Uh, I don't. Did, did you by any chance catch the New York Times story? about Teresa Rayford. No, I missed the New York Times story about Teresa Rayford. Yeah, well, there was a story about her. Because she is a write-in candidate for a mayor, but but it, it harkens back to that awful uh, story of policemen putting dead possums at the Burger Bar. Yeah, 1981. She had a relationship, and, and the New York Times saw that as a good excuse to write a story, which is interesting. Uh, something that I would like your opinion on, and I would be interested to hear from our our listeners, 
Washington County screwed up in their description of Measure 110. Uh, there are several measures that uh, that use yes and no in significant places, and in Measure 110, which is the the uh, election on on uh, substances legalizing or decriminalizing substances and they they had some misplaced yeses and nos and a lawsuit has been filed saying that it, there ought to be another vote and the uh, proponents are saying no no people understand it and, and I'm wondering I'm wondering if maybe there shouldn't be another vote what are you what are your thoughts I don't have an opinion I don't no, have an opinion because I was thinking about the question I had for you so I didn't develop an opinion what, you, you, do you have a strong opinion on that? I, I don't have a strong opinion, but but I'm I'm inclined to think that the right thing to do would be to have to have. A, you, you, of course, all you do is you just send out a new batch of ballots for on that issue only, and the the vote on that I suspect would be very very substantially smaller than the vote is going to be when it's counted tomorrow, and whether. The proponents or the opponents would be able to flog their supporters to return that ballot would be interesting to watch. But it it does seem to me that when there's a a misdescription, you have to assume, you'd like to assume anyway, that voters do read those descriptions and might be influenced what they have to say. Dad, I want to go back to the presidential race, and without asking more predictions, I want to think about scenarios. And people might have thoughts about that in radio land. Members of the News of My Dad community. Text line here is 971-220-5979. It's 971-220-5979. I know, I'm so used to saying the telephone number of the pledge line. I almost said it that time. 971-220-5979 is the text line. Save it from I do something dumb and you want to correct me. The uh, question we got in from Aileen, why was no one arrested during the highway incident? I'm going to say, uh, I don't know, because it's Texas, but I don't know. Maybe they're still investigating it. I think that's why. Maybe they're still investigating. But, Dad, here's the thing. We're going to go to break, but I want to get your thoughts about this for after, and I want to ask our listeners if they have thoughts about this. Imagine scenarios. If Joe Biden wins with enough of a uh, margin that there is no legitimate there is no loud okay there's no loud we know it, obviously no legitimate no legitimate or loud dispute over the election result such that either the president concedes or you know he is made to uh, what is the most important thing what is that first thing that you want the uh, new administration to do. Okay, so that's one scenario. Second scenario, if Trump wins, if Trump wins, what will be your reaction? And I and I say this because in 2016, I think so many people, there, there have been so much, oh, Hillary Clinton's ahead, Hillary Clinton's ahead, Hillary Clinton's ahead, is that people hadn't thought through that scenario. And they really, they really hadn't thought it through, hadn't come to grips with it intellectually, emotionally, or strategically. So second scenario, if Trump wins... What should what do you want to do? Okay, you and you and the news my dad community, what do you want to do? And third, 
if Trump waits, if there is a, if there is, a, and this is to me the only, I, I, to me it's option A and option C that are most likely. Okay, I think the only way that this election uh, doesn't go Biden's way is if there's large scale cheating. That's what I, that's what I think. Large what? Large scale cheating. Oh. And okay. I just think uh, it, it's too. Polls have never been this wrong. This kind of turnout is never. I mean, it's just. The only way is is if there's if there's really just yeah if if, if, for, if for example after the Supreme Court of Texas all Republicans said no we're not going to throw out 127,000 ballots the uh, Republicans ran into a a uh, Republican federal judge who said he's going to hear it which is makes me suspicious as hell yeah no it's that's really I'm glad you brought, brought that story I think people caught that story probably already but yeah this was in Harris County right Harris County they had drive-through ballots and uh, and to make sure people didn't catch a communicable disease in a populous county and populous O U S and after the uh, and and the Republican Party wanted to throw out all those ballots and and a, and a Republican Texas Supreme Court said no you got to count the ballots and so now they're going to a, uh, trying to get to a Trump appointee uh, trying to get to a Republican appointee federal judge who and, might and give him a different he, answer and he's agreed to hear it and th- that that just makes me really suspicious right instead of just throwing it out summarily okay but if if the third scenario so first scenario what's the most important thing and you could say what you'll do also that's fine but what what do you think the most important thing that happens if Biden wins what's the most important thing that happens or what you're going to do if Trump wins and if Trump, I'm going to say Trump waits, if it's a if it's a, you know, four million vote Biden victory, but there's still votes being, you know, still early votes being counted, still votes by mail being counted, still votes that haven't been arrived yet, still a couple states that haven't been officially called and Trump waits or it looks like he's lost, but he's but he sticks around anyway. OK, waits puts it too kindly, I think the question, Dad. Let's take that first scenario. Biden wins. What do you think is the most important thing he does, or what are you going to do? If if he wins, I'm going to breathe a big sigh of relief. Uh, That's that's how I will promise you. But if I understand your question, you were wanting to know what I think. What's his top priority or or greatest urgency? I would hope on the first day when... uh, when he makes his inaugural speech, as he he first says, "Fellow Americans, a lot of you didn't vote for me. Most of you did. Grateful to all of you who exercised your franchise to vote. But the biggest problem we face in the short run is the virus, and I want to enlist your help." I need your help. We can't do this from Washington, D.C. We have to do this together. We have to listen to the scientists. We have to wear our masks. We have to socially distance. We have to work together to do what is necessary to get, to control this virus because the vaccine, which we hope, now is going to be made available in the next several months will still take months because to do that that will enable us to reopen our economy and get back to the america that we know and love second i want to tell you that the biggest long-term threat we face is the threat of global warming the fact that the climate is changing 
that the climate really is changing in no small part because of what you and I are doing and not doing. We've got to join together to address that. Dad, you're you're disappearing a little bit. You're doing something to your phone. Okay, and one of the things that I am going to do this afternoon is to restate our commitment and to to the Paris Accords and withdraw the withdrawal. That All right. We were so those are two things. Uh, yeah, you, well, but you you said, but I'm doing this all in his speech. And the, oh. <laughs> see? So, so. the most important thing he has to do is give a speech that has 27 things he's going to do. Yeah, right. <laughs> all right, all right, that's fair, that's fair. Lay out the agenda, that's fair. So my, uh, if I were going to go with uh, not only, not if I were going to go not only with the speech to give, but with a couple of the actions that would be embedded within that, uh, I, I, yeah, your, the COVID thing, it's probably that is most important. Uh, if I were going to say another, though, uh, is I would I would go H.R. one. I would go what Congress passed right after 2018 is go head on towards anti-corruption, head on towards trying to fix democracy, head on towards trying to make sure we have a majoritarian system of government in this country. That, to me, is the highest uh, the highest policy. Ma- no, I don't say it's the highest priority. I think it is the first thing needs to get done. I'll copy Larry Lessig, who said that it's not. You know, my issue is not the most important issue. Your issue is the most important issue. But my issue is the first issue because you're not going to, if you don't do something about campaign money, if you don't do something about districts, if you don't do something about voter suppression, if you don't do something about lobby corruption, if you don't do something about an anti-majoritarian Supreme Court, you aren't going to be able to get any of the other stuff done. You're not going to be able to deal with health care. You're not going to be able to deal with climate change. You're not going to be able to deal with restoring the middle class. You're not going to be able to deal with basic fairness and justice for everybody, regardless of the situation of your birth. You're not going to be able to do that unless we improve and repair the underpinnings of democracy. All right, Dad, if Trump wins. What are you going to do? Well, I am going to have to debate between whether or not I find a steroid of some kind or hemlock most attractive. The steroid would be to help me address the need to continue the battle for four years because the, the battle will be much, much, much harder because Trump, if he is reelected, will feel there is absolutely no limit on how far he can take this country towards authoritarianism. And then the hemlock, well, you know, that's just something that... And I'll soften it a little bit, but Dad, I actually like... I don't like the hemlock thing. I don't like the thing, but I, but I like how you put that if I pivot it just a little bit. That the choice will be sort of steroid or opiate, right? What happens if Donald Trump wins for so many of the people in the country? Is it steroid or opiate? To be clear, if Biden wins, it's going to be steroid on the part of the Trump supporters. If they're willing to like try to pull over a bus with 100 trucks, once Biden is president, it's you know just remember the Tea Party when Obama was elected. It, things are not going to calm down. Things will be there will be scary moments. There, there will be a significant percentage of the country, not half, not even 40 percent, but a significant piece of the country that is not will not value democracy, does not value the essence of democracy and will act accordingly. 
if Trump wins, that choice of steroid or opiate, I think, is a really important choice. I'll, I'll go for self-care, leaning in the direction of steroid. Okay, Dad, if Trump waits, what is the... If, if, if Trump loses but doesn't concede, is another way of saying that, what do you do? I've already, I have already done that. What I mean is I have signed up for a group that is going to gather tomorrow to discuss what should be done if that scenario or a scenario where it is not clear who has won has yet happened. And I'm going to listen carefully to the folks who have called that and share thoughts and, and hope to work with a large group with a consensus going forward. Well, I, uh, I appreciate you. If you have your thoughts, oh, we got a, we got a text in. Uh, if Trump wins, I fear he fires Fauci and does an executive order stating no state can have any restrictions related to COVID. So I think that first part, I think that there being additional purges, right? I think that him not firing Fauci was because he saw poll that had probably 78 percent of Americans saying that that would be a bad thing to do. And he was convinced that that would seal his fate in the election. That's why he preserved it. I actually think that's pretty insightful uh, from this brilliant listener that the and it's pretty insightful that there will be additional purges within the uh, federal government, including anybody who does not toe the Trump line. And that does probably include Fauci. I don't know if he would do an executive order stating no state can have restrictions related to COVID. In fact, I don't think so. Uh, my own view is that the uh, is that what ended up winning the day It's just my own surmise based on some reading, to be clear. But but still, my own surmise is that we're and my own characterization. There's sort of two forces in the White House that were arguing in favor of the current Trump strategy, the current, if we can call it a strategy of, you know, not not sounding the alarm early, not ramping up production of ventilators and masks and and very importantly, not uh, pushing to uh, do any particular shutdown. I think one of those forces was Trump saying, I want this to go away. I don't want people to know about it. I want to treat it like we treated the Spanish flu, which is call it the Spanish flu and blame it on Spain. In this case, blame it on China. Uh, under publicize and under report, keep testing down so people just don't know that there are a lot of deaths. Get you know have only embedded journalists it, it, rather than watching the you know watching uh, dead bodies come back from Vietnam. That's my analogy. Don't just don't, keep it out of the press. That was one. That, that's one path. One argument, one force. The other force, I think, was an, a, an ideological force, which is, and I think if you had a more articulate president, he would say this, that we have an ideological disagreement about how powerful the federal government should be. I believe in a limited federal government. I believe these states should, these decisions should be left to states. I want to support those decisions. I want to do the things that only the federal government can do to empower the states to make the decisions they make, but I am not going to empower, I'm not going to override those decisions. That is the federalist argument that has been, uh, that, that really took hold within the Republican intelligentsia around Brown versus Board of Education, around the time of the states' rights arguments, and well, even before Brown versus Board of Education, but, you know, around, around, uh, sla forgive me, forgive me, around, uh, plus, around um, uh, Dred Scott, uh, the, uh, uh, in the arguments around slavery and Jim Crow. And I think that that 
and and because I believe that's one of the key arguments, one of the key forces, I don't know if they would do an executive order saying no state can have restrictions. Uh, but what do I know? I could be wrong. Uh, any other dad predictions of the, not predictions, but other other thoughts about I mean, it's election day tomorrow. We should probably pivot to local election stuff unless you have other national election stuff you want to talk about. It's election day tomorrow, for gosh sakes. Yes, we should, and I, I find it interesting. The mayor's race is the one that uh, that I am most curious about, and I have absolutely no prediction for the mayor's race because polls weeks ago were showing Seriano well ahead. Polls now apparently show it neck and neck. Uh, the uh, Eric Sten and Sam Adams have endorsed Ted. Joanne Hardesty has <coughs> oh, excuse me has decided to endorse. Sarah, because she's really ticked off over the failure to get three votes for cutting $18 million out of the police budget. The uh, what, what is the influence going to be of the most recent violence? The, uh, and once again, I've got to inveigh against the stupidity, the absolute stupidity of folks who go and break windows break windows at the Umpqua Bank, break windows at Billy Grippo's store, seeming, th- thinking that they are that they are improving what they are trying to accomplish. It just, it just drives me crazy. We got another text. Trump's one, number one concern is the economy, thus he wants no COVID restrictions. I hear that. I hear that. Uh, but, the, but it's interesting. His biggest argument for re-election was the economy. And I guess he still cares about it because he gets he cares about the value of his own portfolio and cares that he doesn't get so underwater uh, that he gets more sort of bank foreclosures that he can't deal with or has to ask for more Russian money to pay for. But uh, but I uh, but I hear that Uh, Joe Pesci texts in if Dumpty holds the White House, but Dems get the Senate. uh, Here's the quote. It's not overreach. We must impeach. So that's an interesting scenario. And that is also that raises the scenario if if Trump loses does he resign i've heard this a lot i think it's unlikely but well but i, I don't I, I don't think it's one percent unlikely i just i think it's less likely than than likely does he appoint pence so that pence can pre- preemptively pardon him uh i think the scenario of trump winning and democrats holding the senate that seems like really hard mathematically yeah i, I can't imagine that happening uh, but uh, but you know, what do I know? Uh, all right, Dad. Anything else? Anything else before we start shifting over? Well, I guess you already started. Well, we're, started well, shifting so over to the local. You mentioned I think it, it deserves a little more discussion. Is what does what does he do to continue what he's already been doing to to rape the federal government experts? Uh, one example he he has he has. Let's use, of, let's use the word red. I know that's a trigger word for a lot of people, Pop. Let's use the well, word red. Yeah, it's, no, it's I'm a, sorry. We I'm get complaints. Because when, when, I, when I see, for example, that he has got rid of the NOAA expert on... Yeah, we can find a charged chief, word, but chief, we can charge... The we, chief, chief scientist, because he wants to undercut the National Climate Assessment, that uh, the, there's just no end. And the thing, I, I am... It speculating about a little bit is who will he get rid of if he wins? Who will he get rid of if he loses? If he wins, he's going to get rid of Fauci. If he loses, will he get rid of Fauci? 
because because he and others like that just out of spite. I think there is one possibility because losing is so hard for him, and when he, when he loses, he has to pretend that he wins and convince himself that he wins. But if it becomes really clear to him that he can't escape the fact that he's losing, I would not be surprised to see him really fundamentally withdraw. That spend spend more time on the golf course, spend more time at Mar-a-Lago, and spend more time, even than he does already, sending out tweets, complaining and bemoaning and griping, and and ab- abdicating his responsibility as president. And when he is not the president any longer, does he? go to jail does he move away does he start a new online media network or does he do two of the three of those things or all of the above moving away and jail are the might be mutually exclusive but the third one is not mutually exclusive with either of the other two that's right what one of the things that that i i do have fairly strong feelings about when Barack Obama was elected, he made it very clear that he was was not going to go after his predecessor or his predecessor's folks for bad stuff that they did, and really, really bad stuff that they did, especially in relation to Iraq and and that. I think that. Biden really needs to tell whoever he appoints as attorney general, you should feel free to investigate, and if the investigation justifies, prosecute anybody, anybody in the previous administration for violation of federal criminal laws, including the president. I just, I just think that that. That needs to happen, and that if then they find clear, justifiable cause, looking forward to a jury trial, I would like to see a jury trial of DDT over crimes that I believe he's committed. Dad, 524 new COVID cases in Oregon. State health officials are warning that Oregon continues current trends. Hospitals could reach capacity by mid-December. Only 24% of the state's ICU beds, or 721 of those around the state, are available as of last Thursday. Only 14% of non-ICU adult beds are available. Last Thursday, there were 156 confirmed COVID-19 patients in hospitals. Experts are concerned of the current trend up, current upward trend excuse me, continues. Hospitals are going to have to use alternative methods for bed management. That could include postponing elective procedures, using empty hospital wings, adding staffing capacity, and hopefully that would be enough. Oregon hospitals so far have taken a regional approach, assessing capacity at a regional level, redistributing patients when necessary or possible, not just using your local hospital, but shipping you off somewhere that has some extra capacity. That could potentially mean transferring patients out of the state, uh, which, you know, that happens even before the pandemic. But, you know, send them to Washington, maybe send it to Idaho or California. Uh, that are you how are your COVID habits? I'm realizing I've got to get I got to get scared again 
I've got to get, I've got to make sure I have a mask in each of my coats. I got to make sure I have a mask in my backpack. I got to make sure I have a mask in my car for me. I need, I need to operate. I mean, some people always just remember to grab their stuff, right? I need to operate. My ADHD self needs to operate with the chapstick rule, which is I only have chapstick anywhere if I have chapstick everywhere. So I, I recognize that I need to get I need to ramp up my COVID habits again. I worry that we've gotten into sort of COVID malaise. How are you feeling? Are you, do you think people are sort of bored of dealing with COVID? And so that's one of the reasons why it's ramping up. I recognize part of it is that we're staying inside more. That's maybe the biggest part. I, I think that probably the biggest part is people staying inside. Also, thinking that, uh, that uh, surely my friends are doing the right thing, and so therefore it's okay for me to be with my friends and not uh, not take adequate protection when I'm being with my friends. My family, the same thing. Family, I, they're they're surely doing the right thing, and it and it takes only one of the member of the family, of course, that uh, gets out and gets infected to really screw up. Uh, Thanksgiving, there lots of encouragement to to cut down on big family gatherings for Thanksgiving. Our, our family is certainly doing that. Thanksgiving, of course, is one of has been one of our most important family gatherings where we've had, I think, no less than 13 and often 15, sometimes more than that for Thanksgiving every year for, or gosh, well over a decade, and we're not going to do it this year. Which also, by the way, reminds me that that big turkeys, really big turkeys, may be bargains because the, the turkeys that are being ordered are not big, the great big turkeys this time, so there may be a glut of big turkeys. Uh, I, uh, Because I am retired and therefore do not have a job that requires me to be out there to earn money, uh, it is fairly easy for me to stay home, and, and I do stay home. I get to the grocery store, and I, I'm very careful to wear my mask, I keep a mask in the car, and I keep a mask on my shelf. So when I ride my motorcycle, the, I, the moment I take off my helmet, I put the mask on. But uh, and, and it's pretty easy for pretty easy for me. And I live in a great big house with my son, and half the time my grandson. But uh, they occupy the third floor, and I occupy the, the second floor, and we share the first floor. But uh, but it's pretty easy for me to to do all of the right things, but the I, I think just the, the weather and Oregon, Oregon. It's scary that Oregon has had that increase, but it's because of the increase we're scared. Oregon is still doing remarkably well in the ratio of our population to the number of cases, the population of our deaths. The worst place to be in Oregon, by the way, is in prison. The risk of ca- catching the virus. If you're in prison, and there's something like 19 times the risk in the rest part of the state, over 1,200 cases, 19 deaths. So uh, don't break the law, folks. You don't want to go to prison. Well, as of Sunday, over two-thirds of voters have cast their ballots in Multnomah County. We already talked about how many registered voters across the country have turned in. 92, 93 million have turned them in nationwide. Here, the percentage is even a little bit higher than that. By comparison, in 2016, two days before the general election, only 48% of Multnomah County voters had cast their ballots. Washington also seeing record high early voter turnout, 65% casting their ballots early. 
They're running. They have got races for governor, lieutenant governor, all their 10 U.S. House seats. Washington's 10th congressional district features two Democratic candidates who would both make first for Washington Tacoma Mayor Marilyn Strickland, I guess former Tacoma, Tacoma mayor, will be the first black member of Washington's congressional delegation, the first Korean-American ever elected to the U.S. Congress. And State Representative Beth Doglio, or maybe Doglio, would be the first LGBTQ excuse me, member of the Washington delegation. Also featured on Washington's ballot, the first time U.S. voters will make a decision on sex education. Voters are going to make a choice and referendum on a measure that was passed earlier this year requiring public schools to provide comprehensive sex ed for all students. So, Dad, those are some of the things that are coming up. Big turnout all over the Pacific Northwest. We've also got the Southwest Washington seat. Uh, Carolyn Long uh, has a chance to has a chance to win, but in a seat that's been gerrymandered significantly, that uh, might be hard to switch that seat. Any other local election stuff you're paying attention to? We, we talked about sort of the closest ones. I don't know if you have last-minute thoughts on either the Metro transportation measure, if you have last-minute thoughts on the Secretary of State's race, if you have last-minute thoughts on the Treasurer's race, if you have last-minute thoughts on the... Uh, on on the drug legalization measure. Uh, if you have last-minute thoughts on the library bond, which the last poll had it going down, uh, you know, not by a huge margin, but the, the statistically significant one. Dad, any things you're keeping your eye on for tomorrow, which is Election Day? Oh, my goodness, it seems like it's been forever, but it also seems like it was yesterday. <laughs> I'm just going to be so glad when it's over. If If for no other reason... I will stop getting hundreds, I'm, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds, that means more than 200 messages every day, every day, asking me for money or for time or for both for the election. That At the end of the day tomorrow, there should be a significant decline in all of those that I have to look at quickly to see if I'm interested and hit the delete button because most of the time I am not. Well, folks, if you have things you're watching for, if you have either prognostications, concerns, hopes, questions, the text line is 971-220-5979. It's 971-220-KXRY. Multnomah County may be facing a shortage of wintertime homeless shelters. Coronavirus precautions mean the county cannot provide the same number of beds it normally has in the winter. So again, you got full beds. That's full beds for any number of purposes. According to the Joint Office of Homeless Services, normal shelter capacity of 1,400 has been maintained, though more shelter space is needed. They've been using shelter spaces and motels. They also say 275 beds will be opening in winter. Those beds will be open 24 hours a day. The county is hoping to secure an additional 300 beds before winter sets. They're hoping for three to five large spaces, at least 5,000 square feet in city center, mid-county, and Gresham. This, of course, is, has bears some relationship to the debate that was just in the legislature over whether there'd be money applied for this stuff. Community members have suggestions for places that fit the criteria for a safe, ADA-accessible shelter being asked to contact the Joint Office of Homeless Services. I want to give another big shout-out to the uh, uh, to the Doug Fur, uh, the, uh, uh, to the folks on the Doug Fur, to that hotel, who opened themselves up in the beginning of COVID as a shelter. 
and and it was so it was the Jupiter, right? The Jupiter Hotel who opened themselves after hearing about X-ray uh, about the need. So anybody who's listening who has access to a bunch of beds, your beds are needed for either for COVID services or, or for homeless beds. Uh, pop just one day to vote. Just one day to vote. It's a miracle. Did you think we'd ever get to this day? Do you think we should cancel the show right after the election? Do you think it just this is it? We did it. We're going to 2020, and that's it. I'm just glad. I'm just glad that in 30 hours it's going to well, 36 hours it's going to be over. We should do. We've done all. That's what has over the the casting of votes, or the offering to cast votes will be over. The counting definitely will not be over. And I think it's extremely likely that uh, that neither neither Biden nor DDT will feel comfortable at 10 o'clock tomorrow evening declaring victory and uh, or conceding. And of course, it's also I think important to remind. Wait, say that again. You think you think the the mayor's race is going to be too close to call tomorrow night? I, I think that I think that because of the electoral the electoral college situation, and the fact that uh, that in some in significant states they can't start counting ballots until tomorrow morning, which means that there'll no way that they'll be close to having counted all of the ballots by midnight tomorrow night. That uh, that there'll be some good good reasons to keep your powder dry. Election coverage tomorrow night. We're going to be doing it from 7 to 9. We're going to do it on YouTube. We're going to do it on air. Uh, we're also going to be having a Zoom hangout for uh, for extra members who want to participate in that. We're going to have Ron Wyden join us. We're going to have uh, uh, we're going to have uh, Shamia Fagan join us. I think we're having Joanne Hardesty join us. I think we're going to have uh, 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 Commissioner Kafori join us. A bunch of a bunch of really interesting people who are going to be on a big Zoom call. Uh, Candace Avalos co-hosting, and would well Emily Gilland helping to put it together. Portland Forward helping to put it together should be a really interesting conversation. Uh, and if you want to join in, we'd love to have your thoughts and your questions. Uh, and we'll uh, we'll be you can check out our social media feeds, which will give you more information about that. Uh, uh, voters in Utah, Dad. I don't know if you saw this. You grew up, and you not fully grew up in Utah, but you spent many of your formative years in Utah. Did you catch this? They're going to be voting on a constitutional amendment which would put gender-neutral language in the Utah yes, Constitution. Yep. It, the they're, amendment they're, passed they're unanimously get, in the legislature. They're going to get rid of men and replace it with persons. So you think that it got passed unanimously in the legislature? you think it passes among Utah voters? Yeah, it'll pass. Many cities are offering voters criminal justice reform. Uh, the, the question is, yeah, yeah, the question here is, this reads the gender equality measure, but is it? You know what I want to do? I want to ask people who know this better than I do. Uh, I, I sort of want, in fact, I even have questions. I tend to try to listen to the younger generation on some of this stuff. Uh, the, uh, the youth will lead us, particularly when it comes to trying to bend the arc of history towards justice. Uh, it is, I mean, the way I would characterize it left to my own devices is, it's sort of an or, or overdue one. I don't know if it's, uh, if I call it, you know, equality, but yeah, having only men written in the Constitution, that doesn't seem to be, you know, that doesn't seem to be very useful or accurate. But I'm wondering, Brian or Sam, if you have opinions on this matter, you may not, 
You may have been working diligently and not be aware of the topic. And if so, I will move on. So I will move on. They, <laughs> they, they waved me off. That's fine. I'm uh, ready to change the subject. Change it up, Pop. There's some court news that I report. First, I want a laundry list, just a couple of things, and then, then I wanted to talk more in depth about a, a very intriguing suit that lawsuit is going on in California. Laundry listing. The uh, Judge Lewis Kaplan has told the Department of Justice that it cannot take over the defense of DDT in the slander suit, where he s- said that uh, a, a woman who he had assaulted had uh, with a liar that uh, that uh, that is not going to work the uh, judge kaplan said not only was he not an employer employee as defined in relevant statute and cases it was clearly not within the scope of his role as president to do that the case uh, and make however pronounced to be brown that were bought by a bunch of kids several years ago to try to say that Oregon under the public trust doctrine needed to be doing things more things than they are doing for for global warming the court uh, Supreme Court said six to one nope sorry kids you don't in California Uber and Lyft have been told by the Ninth Circuit that the injunction entered by a district, federal district judge telling them that they had to start treating their drivers as employees was okay, but that won't take effect immediately, and it may be remender, re, rendered moot tomorrow when California voters vote on initiative as to whether or not drivers should be considered employees. And the Louisville cop that was shot by Brianna Taylor's beau, boyfriend is suing the boyfriend for assault. That's an interesting one. But the one I wanted to talk a little bit about, there's an interesting case that has been brought by a young woman who is a Jehovah's Witness in California and was lost employment because she refused to sign a loyalty oath that contradicts her religious belief and I find this very interesting because you have so strong a movement right now on the right particularly the far right in in this country saying that that uh, employers ought to be able to discriminate based on their religious belief on who they hire and and particularly service providers ought to be able to discriminate on who they agree to serve. Will they bake a cake for somebody, for example, or will they provide flowers for somebody, for example, in a marriage that that they do not approve of? And, and that, that reminds me to note that... I don't know what you're doing to your phone, Debbie. You're, you're going in and out. You're, you're, it's like you're moving it away from your face or something. Yeah, you, you sound like you're under a blanket right now. Does it, does it feel bad? Yep. Let me try this. Is that better? A little bit, but we'll see how long it lasts. I don't know if it's your cord or something else. I think, by the way, we should start doing these by Zoom because we tried Zoom the other day with uh, uh, just on Friday, and the sound quality was better, and it worked real well. well I, I, I would I would be delighted. Yeah, I can I can hear. Yeah, that. yeah. You no, you just, it just happened again. Yeah, just 
the the my, my cord is is moving just slightly, but I can't imagine that how, how that would be affecting anything because the it isn't pulling. Anyway, is is it okay now? At that moment, it was. It is is good now. Uh, it it depends. It goes in and out, pop. So we'll see. We, we okay. got a few minutes Any, left. Anyway, anyway, going on with this case, what is the far right going to do with the arguments that they have been making? For religious freedom, with when a person is exercising religious freedom, saying she has a right to a job, even though she will not state sign a loyalty oath, and that that that's going to be an interesting dilemma for those folks. It is indeed. It is indeed. Uh, that other things that are happening. Did you have other court news? Yes, one one that I, another a, a local one, state one that is worth watching, Great Northern Resources, which is a logging company in John Day, is suing the state over the 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 state vote, the state legislature that created a fund for black business relief, the the Black Relief and Re- Resiliency Act, sixty two million bucks saying that uh, that's unconstitutional and they're, they're saying they are hurt because they didn't get any of the money and they lost, they've lost $200,000 because of re- diminished demand because of COVID that, and that, that's a really interesting case and, and they, they might have a constitutional argument if they can show they have standing. I think maybe the biggest problem they'll have is establishing that they have standing. We got a text in, no dilemma for Republicans. They have no morals and are frequently hypocrites, so no problem. This is not us speaking. This is a text in. If you would like a text to disagree with that or say something different, 971-220-5979. You could also say the same thing, 971-220-5979. Many cities are offering voters criminal justice reform measures following months of racial justice protests occurring nationally. In Portland, we've got the Independent Police Oversight Board advanced by Commissioner Joanne Hardesty. That's something also I've been working on for the last several months, uh, disclosure. In California, voters have been given the option to end the cash bail system and allow people to vote while on parole. In Los Angeles specifically, residents will vote on Measure J, which would divert money into social services and away from prisons and police. In Nebraska and Utah, voters could prohibit prison labor by removing slavery as a punishment for a criminal offense. Some feel the reform measures don't go far enough. They'd like to see a more proactive approach. The civil unrest, which has followed the murder of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and so many others, has resulted in a dynamic shift in voters' minds. Uh, do you think that this election ends up being the kind of earthquake that releases tectonic energy or the kind of earthquake that builds tectonic energy? Does it spur more change going forward or is there a collective exhale? Well, I hope, I hope that it does produce a seismic shift. And that, that is why I, uh, I get so angry at these vandals and these looters who pollute the, the protests that are, out, that are out there making it clear we've got, to, we've got to recognize the systemic racism in this country. We've got to deal with it. We've got to get rid of it. And it, it makes me so angry at them because it gives Fox and Limbaugh and all of their folks the something to to point to. J- just one example: I had a call 
three day, three nights ago from a very dear friend who lives in Arizona. Correction, New Mexico. And he he was concerned as to whether or not he was he was afraid that and this is what he said that BLM might have invaded my neighborhood, and I had to tell him that I have a BLM sign in my yard and that he is being misled. This this is a, is a really good human being who in retirement spends vast amounts of time doing unsung charitable work, who who really has has been led to think that that this is this is bad stuff coming from from don't shoot and from BLM and, and other groups when it's the good stuff that's coming from them. Uh, I'm just hoping that, that we do have a shift. The, we, we have another black man killed just across the river in Vancouver, and, and I am convinced that the significant majority of the black, particularly young men, but, 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 but black people of color who have been shot by the police over the last several years if they happen to have been pink instead of black, and I say pink because white is not the real color of skin like yours and mine. Pink is the closest color. If they had been pink, they would have come up with another way. They would have figured out a way not to necessitate shooting. Dad, do you know what today is? Uh, today, today is the 2nd of November. But it's it's interesting that history has echoes. So my, uh, oops, I looked up the wrong thing. Hi, uh, history has echoes. And I want to share one of the echoes of history that this was uh, the day that voters in Portland approved ballot measure 51 that established the first public police review committee in Portland. Uh, it had nine citizen volunteers. And this is a story that I think a lot of people have probably forgotten or maybe never knew. They're appointed by the city council and three city commissioners. That's one of the things that is work is proposed being changed, make it actually an, a, a, an independent, more independent body that doesn't just review results of internal affairs cases, but has a chance to itself conduct investigations and do their own uh, and, and issue subpoenas. One such case occurred in 1985 when Lloyd Stevenson, a black man, was killed by a policeman using a chokehold. Neither of the two officers involved were disciplined. The case took a bizarre, and I'm quoting here the Oregon Encyclopedia, a bizarre and controversial turn when on the day of Stevenson's funeral, two police officers sold T-shirts to fellow officers bearing the slogan, don't choke them, smoke them. They were fired, but eventually reinstated. Reinstated by an arbitrator, which just underlines the need to do something about that. Yeah. And, and by the way, did you notice that Daryl Turner is retiring? I saw that. I saw that Daryl Turner. Uh, I saw that Daryl Turner was resigning. He has been. Uh, uh, Daryl Turner has been the longtime head. He's, he did a full decade as the head of Portland Police Association. Uh, has been around. I think we've had what eight police commissioners since we uh, uh, since that yep. happened. Yep. Police commissioners go through the revolving door of the chair. The president of the union stays forever yeah well i want to i want to say thanks we're going to be talking to tim barcroft dad why don't we do a straw in the wind and i'll talk to tim okay no straws in the wind like a straw in the wind first straw in the wind bookshop has, is opening today in the United Kingdom. Bookshops opened here in January, but I 
calling it Strong Wind. I want to make people aware of Bookshop, which by going to bookshop.org, you can get your books from local independent bookstores rather than having to go to Amazon. And the, and the fact that Bookshop has been so successful that they're now able to, to cross the Atlantic is a great straw in the wind. And the other straw in the wind, I hope it turns out to be, that the organization known as Not Our Faith, Christians Against Trumpism and Political Extremism, put their money where their mouth is and came up with 250000 bucks to run ads urging people to vote for Biden. Well, Dad, we did it one more time. We did it indeed, and Thursday we'll be talking about what happens tomorrow, and we will be back on Thursday. Love you, Pop. Love you, too.